0: On this episode of the Oklahoma Breakdown with Iker and Lehman, presented by Riverwind Casino, we talk some OU football by giving you our most important question for each position group heading into training camp. In Football Guys Talking Basketball, we discuss what Shea Gilgis-Alexander's extension means for the Thunder, and we finish up giving you our winners and losers of the week. Please download and subscribe to the podcast, rate it five stars, and write us a good review. Follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Just search Oklahoma Breakdown on any of those, and you'll find us. All right, our man Michael Hostie will kick this thing off. It's time for the Oklahoma Breakdown. It's beautiful Thursday, August 5th, and you're listening to the Oklahoma Breakdown with Iker and Lehman, presented by Riverwind Casino. Riverwind is Oklahoma City's premier casino experience, and your health and safety are Riverwind's number one priorities. There are so many reasons why Riverwind is consistently voted OKC's number one casino, but it all starts with their amazing variety of gaming thrills and excitement. Riverwind's beautiful award-winning environment plays host to more than 2,800 of the latest electronic games with a huge selection of table games, including blackjack, blackjack match, roulette, and Teddy's favorite, craps. No matter what your game, Riverwind has it in spades and hearts. And every night from 6 p.m. to midnight, August 1st through 27th, you can win your share of $300,000 in cash prizes and bonus play in Riverwind's $300,000 Riverwind Anniversary. That is a lot of money. If you need help finding your way, just visit riverwind.com Riverwind Casino. Simply the one. Now we're recording this Wednesday night. Please leave us a five-star review and a nice comment while you're at it. And Teddy, we we have a first on the podcast. We, we received a request that we have never received before. And it was funny. The... We, we received a direct message to the podcast account, and someone asked us how much it costs for us to wish someone a happy birthday on the podcast. <laughs> and I almost said like $1 million, just to be a smartass, but instead I said $0. So for the first time ever, we will be giving a birthday shout out. That that, I I felt like that was, I mean, since it's the first one, I don't know how many more of them we're going to do, but
1: yeah, if it turns into a thing, then maybe there's something, but, uh, it's easy enough, man. Birthday shout out.
0: Yeah. It was, it was a guy looking for a birthday shout out for his dad said his dad is a loyal listener. Doesn't miss an episode. His birthday was August 2nd. Mike Perry. Yeah. You Mike happy 50th birthday. Big guy. We're very proud of you. Congrats to making it to 50. And thank you for listening to the show.
1: How about that? Kudos to the sun, right? For uh, for thinking about pops and uh, 50, uh, 5-0 is a big number. I'll be 40 this year, Gabe. November, I'll be 4-0. We're
0: going to have to do something cool.
1: 40, that's that's a big one. Let's let's not, let's, let's not. Do anything big or draw any attention to it. I'd like to forget that it's happening, please.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure your wife will uh, oh, will not God. do anything big for it. I'm There's
1: sure. no telling yeah. what'll happen.
0: Good luck with that. But happy birthday, Mike Perry. Awesome. Thanks for the support. And I will always wonder what dollar figure I could have thrown out to Mike's son. To I wonder. I wonder what he would have paid. Well, 50, I mean, 50 bucks probably,
1: which we're going to learn or our our listeners will learn in a future episode from Trevor, not you cannot set your market value too low. okay? Okay. Once you go low, you can never, you can never go up.
0: That's that's true. So we have talked a lot of realignment. We've talked a lot of OU to the sec, how we're excited about it, what could happen because of it. And Ted, I think we've talked enough about it.
1: We've hit a stalling point too. Like we we've covered everything. We've, we've pretty much speculated all the things that you could speculate on and we've got no real new movement. So yeah, we do have a season this, this, this year that we need to focus on.
0: Yeah. So we made the executive decision. It's back to football. Uh, The, the podcast, we're going back to talking ball and uh, a programming note. We will we will not be recording next week. However, we have already recorded two interviews for you guys, so we won't be missing any episodes next week. Uh, we're going to take a week off. Look at us, Ted.
1: Whew, you got to charge the battery before the big run-up of the season, right?
0: Yeah. So we've got an interview with Phil Steele, who puts out the college football Bible every year. He's picked OU to win the national championship. So we talked to Phil all about that. And then Teddy, you mentioned it. We've got the man, Trevor Knight. A lot of great stories about his career. Some stories that people have never heard. We get a Katy Perry update. I mean, it's <laughs> it, they're both great interviews, but the the one with Trev, the, I think I think people are really gonna enjoy that.
1: No, I agree. I both of them good. You I get tons of information, obviously, from Phil still, but it was, it was cool to talk to Trevor and get some behind the scenes, you know, of what it was like going to A&M, some NFL stuff. So yeah, fantastic.
0: If you want to sponsor the podcast during football season, which is right around the corner, please email us at the Oklahoma breakdown at gmail.com and we will get you all the details. All right, let's get to the OU football stuff, Ted. And this was your idea. So I want to give it, I want to give you credit. OU football training camp starts in, what, is it Friday or is it Thursday? Friday?
1: Well, I think media day, like they report Thursday, hit some media stuff, probably meetings in the evening, and then I think they get out at
0: Friday. Friday. So with camp starting this week, we wanted to look at the, the most important question for every position group for OU heading into training camp. And we're going to start on the offensive side of the ball because everyone knows offense is most important. And you and I, we decided we were going to do this, but we did not collaborate in any way. So we didn't share each other's lists. So this could be – there could be a lot of crossover. It could be completely different. We're going to see how this goes. You ready? Let's do it. Quarterback. So really, my my number one question for – OU's quarterback room is who's going to be the third string quarterback, but that's really boring. So I'm just going to go with can Spencer Rattler become elite elite. I mean, live up to all of the expectations. Can he be the guy? Can he be a Baker Mayfield? Can he be a Kyler Murray? We've seen flashes of it, but he's got to string together four quarters of it for every single game for an entire season. That's how you become the number one overall pick in in the NFL draft. So there's no doubt in my mind, Rattler's going to be the starter. Caleb Williams is going to be the backup. We'll see who the third string quarterback is. I I don't know if it'll be Mike Bones. I, I don't know. Uh, I I think that battle is going to be fought out in camp but that that's my number one question for the quarterback room Ted is can Spencer Rattler take that next step and be an elite player not good elite
1: Yeah uh, and and that's a it's a good question I mean there a lot of folks have picked him to do exactly that um it's it's not easy to be a Heisman frontrunner going into a season and that's where he's at right now so yeah uh, and here's the thing if if they're going to hit the goals that I, that I know they're setting for themselves he's going to have to be elite that's just what it takes these days to win semifinal games and to win national championships you got to have elite quarterback play so yeah um for me my question for the quarterback room is is Rattler focused and it's Can he handle success? You know, last year was interesting. Whenever things go, go bad, it's easy to, uh, to turn everything inward, to work on yourself, to focus on yourself, to, to not say a whole lot, to show up, do your job and get better. And Rattler took a couple of losses early. He, he got taken out of the Texas game. He had some humble pie early in his career, right? Which, you know, that happens. It's not, not a bad thing as a, as a guy first starting off, redshirt freshman, to be expected. Uh, finishes off the season really well. Now he's a Heisman frontrunner. Now he's signing endorsement deals. Now they're picked by some people number one in the country, some people number two. Most everyone has them making the playoff. But there, There's a lot that's coming at him right now as far as being that one of those number one guys in the country. And how's he going to handle that? Is is he going to keep the head down, focus, um, show up, work, try and earn more respect from his teammates like he did last year? I think he will, but... I think there's also maybe a little bit of a I've arrived. I I've made it. I've got it. I've I've already got all the attention. Uh, everything that I've done is has got me to this place like I'm I'm good. And at that point that's whatever things can go bad for you because it, it's not a race to see who's the best you know day 1 September. It's who can improve the most between September and December. So uh, I'm just, I'm just curious now, everything that I've heard, everything that I've witnessed would lead me to believe that he's going to be able to handle it fine, but you just never know. You just never know. And I think that's going to be something that's pretty telling this year because a lot of that has to do with the locker room too. Um, You know, it's kind of weird to show up and you're the, like he was the quarterback last year but he wasn't the leader of the offense. I never felt like, you know what I'm saying? It's just kind of a different, different feeling. Now he's going to be the leader of the offense as a returning starter, as a guy that had a full offseason with those guys. And I'm just interested to see how he handles it.
0: Yeah. And also you, you factor in the distractions, right. That are going to be in play, you know, with, with the new NIL stuff. Now I think he's handled that stuff well up to this point and you don't see him doing a bunch of interviews. You don't see him doing a bunch of things where he's pitching his stuff. And I'm sure Lincoln has a lot to do with that, but uh, it does seem like he is still focused, which uh, we'll see. And with what we heard about his progress in the spring, you know, we're expecting big things. Okay. Running back. So, my my biggest question for the running back room is will they get a significant contribution from a third back? And more specifically, can Trey Bradford be a contributor? Can he be a big factor for this football team as the third back because you've got Kennedy Brooks, you've got Eric Gray. You know those two guys. Are going to be the featured guys, but running back is a very physical position. We've seen in the past, oh, you have a f- couple of backs get banged up, and all of a sudden you're looking at it going, "Oh my gosh, who who, who are they going to put in?" When you only feel like you've got two main backs, one of the one of those guys goes down, all of a sudden a lot of those personnel groups that. Lincoln Riley likes to use they go away. So can Trey Bradford be a significant contributor at RB three? Because with some of the things we're hearing, it's it's going to have to be him.
1: Yeah, yeah. If if you have any type of attrition at that position especially some of the stuff that OU does with split backs and two guys out there at the same time, Lincoln likes to have a multi-back system. You know, as the season goes on, he, he, he does start to narrow in on one guy, but he likes to split carries as much as he can and keep the wor- workload as light as possible on, on the backfield. So yeah, if, if you don't have a third guy, cause here's the thing, man, in college football, so you're gonna suffer some type of losses throughout the season, injury, behavior, whatever it might be. And if you're not li- like it, running backs, like the perfect position, as physical as that one is, I mean, you're a couple plays away from being on that number three guy, like in a hurry. Yeah, like, you have you lose a guy to an injury in a game, and your next back helmet pops off whenever he's blocking a guy. Well, number three backs out there on the field, maybe it's third and 10, you know, so you've got to have multiple guys that, that are ready. And that third back, you know, you could say you're only as good as your third running back because at some point you're going to be there with him. So, yeah, that, that's going to be huge. For me, whenever I look at the, the running back room, I, I think Eric Gray looks fantastic. I think Kennedy Brooks, in the past, has looked fantastic. I think the whole, but like, the tale of the running back room is going to be told by what Kennedy Brooks do we have this year. If, if we get eight yards to carry Kennedy Brooks from uh, two seasons ago, we got no worries. We're going to skate through this conference. We're going to win the Big 12 easily, and, and we are going to be a massive, massive threat in, in the playoffs if that Kennedy Brooks isn't there, and like you said, maybe the third back, and when I say isn't there, I mean he's not playing at that level that he was two years ago, and we do have problems finding a, a third guy that's dependable, then it could be tough. It could, it could be tough on that running back room uh, in the running game, and it's something that we definitely have to have better than than was a year ago.
0: Yeah, and and when you think about Maybe a lack of depth at running back. It's not like Rattler is a guy that they want to run a lot at the quarterback position either. So that running back room, staying healthy, Trey Bradford, stepping up, learning the system, you know, becoming comfortable throughout training camp will will be huge. Okay, for wide receiver, my my question is pretty simple. Uh, I think the the biggest question for that room, will Jaden Hazelwood become who he was supposed to be? I mean, bottom line, is is he going to be a dude or is he just a guy? It, it's that simple for me. He came in with all the hype in the world, and I, I know he had the injury last year, some bad luck, but let's be real, he really hadn't done anything. That has to change. He has to be a difference maker, and if it isn't him, if he's not that guy, then who's it gonna be? Is it Mike Woods? I, I don't know, but that's my biggest question. Will Jaden Hayeswood be who he was supposed to be?
1: Yeah. I you know, I'll say this. The end of last season, whenever he came back, you could tell he wasn't right, didn't necessarily trust it coming off of that ACL. And I'll even say in spring ball, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt because that's it. That's right out of year from his ACL, right? Um, But I got to tell you, man, I just, I don't know. I don't know how fast, explosive. I don't know. I don't know if he's that, that type of guy. Like some of the things that that I've seen. It just does. He does not look like an explosive athlete.
0: I think before, I don't think he was ever like blazing fast, but I think before the injury, like the things some of the guys on the staff were telling me about him. They were like, dude, this kid, he's going to have a massive year. I have not heard anything close to that about him since Yeah, it's, it's like he hasn't gotten back to where he was as an athlete. Dude, so, It's tough,
1: man. You, you miss that much time though, especially in a room that's got as much talent as the wide receiver room. Like once you get passed over, it's hard to claw that back, man. And yeah, I, I, I don't, I'm with you. I think that that is a big question. You know, for me, it, it's who's going to, who's going to be the breakout star and maybe this this group is going to be deep enough to where we don't necessarily have one last year you could say mims maybe was the breakout star but he and Theo weese had the exact same amount of catches um, he did have nine touchdowns to uh, weese I think had four but I mean that I, he was a freshman I, I don't necessarily consider that breakout and, and I know some of the statistics don't carry over because the amount of games and stuff, but right. Who's going to be the thousand yard 1200 yard receiver that catches 75 balls and has 15 plus touchdowns because we've, we've pretty consistently had a guy like that. I think you'd have to go with Mims as a place to start. Uh, Mario Williams is getting a, a, a lot of accolades, a lot of people talking about him. But Mike Woods was pretty dang good at Arkansas, and he's probably going to step in and find a way to get some, some shares of, of the, the receptions as well. But I'm interested to see because I, I feel like this offense will be at its best if they have that breakout star. I'm, I, I totally believe that they're going to be good across the board. And have a better year than they did last year but we we need more of those explosive plays
0: right they can't just be good right, right? i mean you you look at teams that have won the national championship or played for it lately you you got to have great quarterback play and you've got to have a couple of studs at wide receiver so whether it's going to be Mims. The Owees, if he can take another step, if Mario Williams can be that special that quickly, uh, they haven't seen Mike Woods play yet. So that's it. I, I'm going to be interested to, to see what they have to say about him uh, a week or two in the camp, see what they think. But yeah, it's it's a it's going to be an interesting year at wide receiver. And looking at tight end, my big question is is Austin Stogner. Capable of being a dominant player in college football. You just mentioned who's going to be that thousand yard type guy. Who's going to be like, I'm not sure Stogner's got that in him, but can he be a guy that has 10 touchdowns, has 700 yards receiving, you know, is a huge threat in the red zone? Like, can he be a guy that brings that type of production? And as a result of that, opens up plays for other guys at wide receiver because he they just have to show him so much attention in some situations. Clearly, the health is, a, is the most important thing coming back off the scary leg deal. But that, that's my question for tight end is, can he be a dominant college football player? Can, can he – maybe he doesn't get to the Mark Andrews level but can he get somewhere close to that? If he can get to that level, that's going to make this offense very, very, very difficult to defend.
1: Yeah. It's crazy. I, um, I was watching some highlights recently for, I can't remember why, but, uh, it was when Mark Andrews was his final year. He was huge out there. And, I I don't know if I, for whatever reason, I just forgot, but he looks like a giant on the field. It's pretty cool. And I think Stogner could be that type of guy, you know, I, and that's really the question is, is he going to take the next step? Last year, he he was having a good productive year, but he needs to take the the next step. And that's what you're talking about is, an elite level tight end at OU. We're talking about a uh, a high draft pick type of tight end. He's he's got the measurables. He's got a new coach and Joe John Finley um, that I think is going to take his blocking and attitude there to the next level. The other part of it is. There's got to be a willingness from the offensive coordinator to get him that involved. And that happens through through practice, through training camp, through showing that you can do it and be, be uh, that type of guy that makes those plays. So that's it. Is is he going to be an elite, all-American, Mackey Award candidate type of player? And if you want to throw another one in there, I feel like there's a chance that maybe Braden Willis has – you know, I'm not going to say he's going to have a breakout season, but I feel like he, he could be a decent part of that offense when they start doing some of that two tight end stuff, which they were doing quite a bit last year.
0: Braden Willis is the best athlete in the room. Yeah. There's there's no and doubt He's got about a that. new number, man. Let's go. Yeah. Single digit. You have to play well if you're wearing a single digit at tight end. <laughs> That's, That's right. the rules. Yep. So we'll see. And also, Jeremiah Hall, talked to him about it at Big 12 media day. He said he's going to be lining up in some different spots this year so maybe maybe the bullfrog uh, has a breakout year as a as a as a pass catching weapon, Ted, you never know.
1: I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing if if that happens. When he yeah.
0: was telling me, I was like, that's awesome, man, and in my head I was like, is that awesome? <laughs> <laughs> okay, offensive line, uh, we we've clearly talked about This being the biggest question mark, certainly on the offense for us, but on the entire football team and how I think this group can, can take this team to the next level or it can hold the team back. And I still think that's true, but just looking at the O-line group specifically, my number one question is who's the center. And I, I know I played center, And I I may be a little biased, but if you do not get good leadership and good play at that position, it's hard to have a good offensive line, man. It just is. And it all starts with the mental component of things. That guy getting everybody on the same page and making sure that everyone's going the right place. So who is that guy going to be? I think there's two candidates. I think it's Andrew Rame or Chris Murray. And if Rame can get stronger, sounds like he's had a good summer too. If he can get stronger, I think that he he's got the mental part of the position down. If Chris Murray, who is a physical player, I like the attitude he plays with. If he can get better with the mental component of things, which is what sounds like held him back in the spring, that i think both guys can be solid are either of them going to be creed humphrey no but i can tell you from experience you don't have to have an early round draft pick at center you could you could get by just fine believe me that's true but it but certainly helps
1: when's the last time you remember being this close to the season and ou not being sure who the center is going to be
0: i have no idea um
1: that's that Position has been locked down for decades. Yes, yeah. that's what I'm saying. I mean, that's that's why that's such a huge concern.
0: Yeah, I mean, you go back to what Coop. Yeah, no, it's been. I mean, it's been, and then Vince Carter before that,
1: Bubba Burcham before that.
0: Burcham. Yeah. that. There's been some some <laughs> solid consistent play at the position and it you always knew most, who the guy was going into the year.
1: It may be oddly the the most consistent position OU's had over the last there 25 was, years.
0: There was like the there was like the, the year like Alvarez we weren't sure if he was going to be the center, you know. There there was yeah, that type okay. of stuff. That was the, that was we're just we're blowing it we're blowing it a little out of proportion. That happened. We can't forget. It. It's not like Eric Ren was coming in with a stranglehold onto the position, on the position before that year. That's right. It, it's been it's been a it's been a little bit. There's like been this. some of those. Yeah. But
1: yeah. Well, it you know that that does make you a little bit scared, but at the same time, confident that they're gonna find the dude and there's gonna be a dude there, right? I mean, like I, I don't know who wins the battle, but you feel pretty confident that whoever ends up earning that spot's going to be good. Um, For me, offensive line, it's where's the running game? Do we get the running game back? Last year, four and a half yards of carry, something like that. I think for the first time in a long time, we didn't lead the Big 12 in rushing. Um, Numbers way down. And I think that has some to do with, like the style of offense that we ran a year ago, it's not necessarily the end of the world that we're not running it for eight yards to carry. Okay. I, I like the way we played offense last year. I think it helped out our defense, but we didn't have a run from of over 30 yards until like the last game of the season or something crazy like that. Um, I'm just, I we got to get that running game to where it's, it's back. It's more consistent um, you know we're so used to seeing guys all the way up to the second and third level before they ever even encounter any type of resistance carrying the football and maybe it's because our our run game is kind of we haven't had anything really new in a while but teams are playing it way different way more physical way more downhill and we've had some trouble with it we've got to get that running game back going and it's going to take a an offensive line that's all playing together as one unit talented to be able to get it done.
0: All I want. uh, And I pray for this every night, Ted, you know, I do. All I want is for them to run more outside zone. That's all I want. (laughs) It's the best play football.
1: I can't wait to the first time it happens this season. And you're going to come in from the sideline outside
0: zone. Let's go. I'm just gonna be crying. Oh my god, it's beautiful.
1: Yeah. No, hey, man. But here's the thing: outside zone and boot. Some of the oldest stuff in football. It's back, baby. It's back in a big way. Back in the NFL. Uh, back in college football, SECs running a, a bunch of that SARK. We're gonna see it at at Texas. So, I I hope we see it too.
0: Yeah. All right, before we get to the defensive side of the ball, let's talk money. First Fidelity Bank is a full-service financial institution based in Oklahoma with tailored solutions for all your personal and business needs. Checking accounts, saving accounts, home loans, and much more, they do it all. Whether it's online banking from your computer or mobile banking from your phone, everything is stress-free with FFB. Making mobile deposits, paying bills online, and moving money to different accounts could not be easier. First Fidelity Bank also provides free ATMs worldwide, making banking convenient wherever you are they also give back to the community ffb donates a total of more than five hundred thousand dollars to local charities and educational foundations make your life easier and go bank at first fidelity bank visit ffb.com for more information and make sure you send your kids to bishop mcginnis catholic high school bishop mcginnis catholic high school has a long tradition of educational excellence with a 12 to 1 student to teacher ratio no student is overlooked Bishop McGinnis' college prep curriculum offers 22 AP courses. There are numerous clubs and organizations for students to join. And as a proud member of the OSSAA, there are 14 sports offered. If you want to provide the best possible educational and spiritual development for your children, contact Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School or visit bmchs.org. Financial aid is available. Okay, let's start D-line first. My number one question is... Who is going to be the disruptor other than Perrion Winfrey? I am 100% confident with what we saw last year and what I've heard about him this year, that that guy is going to be an absolute problem in the interior defensive line for Oklahoma. My question is, who else is going to do that? Is it going to be Ellison? Is it gonna be Jordan Kelly? Who else can play at that type of level to where when they're rotating guys or when they've got multiple defensive in like interior defensive linemen on the field? Will there be one guy that the other team will target and they'll just run away from Perrion? Can they get another guy to play like a complete badass? Maybe it's maybe it's Jalen Redmond, maybe it's him. But I know Winfrey Winfrey's going to bring it. My question is, who else is going to bring it at that level?
1: yeah, and there's some there's some good candidates um redmond beast, if he can put it all together
0: um, yeah I, I I think I've had a few people tell me that if Redmond stays healthy and plays up to kind of what they're expecting from that he's the most talented guy in the room.
1: Which is insane. Because if, if he plays at the level he's capable of, and and Perry on Winfrey does, and Isaiah Thomas does and Nick Benito does. But that's it's going to be hard to find a better four in the country. They're going to, they should be right there with everyone else. And that's my, my thing with the defensive line, 12 and a half, 12.5 sacks. Can we have a guy get over that number? If we have a guy get over 12 and a half sacks, that is elite territory. That is first round draft pick territory. If Perry on Winfrey has 12 and a half sacks, he's going to be a first round pick. If Isaiah Thomas has 12 and a half sacks, he's going to be at the, the end of the first, early second type of pick. That's the number we, we, if we get a guy, a couple guys around that number, we're talking about having a defensive lineman taken in the first round in how long has it been?
0: Since Gerald, right?
1: Gerald? Yep. Yeah. That's it. Damn, it, 12 and a, a half sacks. All right, defensive line. No pressure. <laughs> Let's, I think Perry on Winfrey can do it. If you go back and watch the film last year and see how many times he had someone like in his grasp, or he beat someone and flushed a quarterback to where. Benito like tackled him right there as he was trying to escape
0: or or he, Brock he, Purdy's thrown out of the end zone in the big 12 championship <laughs> game and he jumps instead of just sacking him.
1: I'm telling you, he's there, man. He's there. Twelve and a half. That's the number. That's that's the elite number. And we're talking about having a chance of getting a player in the first round.
0: Yeah. Okay. Linebacker. Uh, my question is, it's, I don't know if this is the best way to put it, but Who's going to end up getting left out? Because uh, Ted, you've talked about just the the level of competition in that room for snaps is going to be it's going to be significant, right? And, and you look at Deshaun White, Asamoah, Aguebu, Witter—like you can't you can't have them all on the field at once. And I don't know exactly how many of them you can play. Like, can you realistically rotate six inside backers in a game? It's probably not something Odom wants to do, but who's going to maybe the better way to put it is who's going to separate themselves. And we'll see, but I, that, that's one of the most interesting things like on the whole team for me is to see how backer shakes out.
1: Yeah. I, mine is just, uh, it's the same question, just phrased differently. Uh, I had, it's time to take the next step. Awesome. Moa is that's not a
0: question. That's a statement. Who will take the next step is is a question. (laughs) This was your idea. You said Uh, the number one question for each
1: position. Well, yes, I guess it's, it's who's going to take the next step, but. I said, it's time to take the next step. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Asamoah has fallen into the dangerous territory of this guy's got a lot of talent. When someone repeatedly says how much talent somebody has, at some point, it's no longer a compliment, right? Right. And Asamoah is dangerously close to that spot. He's played really good football, but he's not playing the football that he's capable of. This is the year he needs to really unlock all of that potential, play with all of that speed, with that explosiveness on a consistent level. If he does, all-conference type of player, and if this team is playing unbelievable football, who knows what that could end up meaning. Agwebu, the... Not that he, he's making excuses or anyone's making excuses for him, but he transitioned to a new position, right? There's a, there's a, a grace period that you get to, to get in there, fully grasp it, fully understand it, fully get all of the techniques. He's through that now. It's time to take that next step. He's got the size. He's got the length. He's got the speed to be an elite linebacker in college football. It's time to go out there and do it and have it show up routinely, not just a flash here and there. It needs to show up routinely. And you're right. The guys on the the second team or third team, we've got so much depth. I'm worried about it being an issue. Because you're right. You can't rotate six guys through. I'm, I'm, and I haven't heard this, but I'm, I'm, I'm worried that at some point, whenever you're that deep, that guys are going to want to go play football somewhere. You know what I'm saying? So,
0: no, that's definitely a concern. I mean, when you have that type of depth at a position, I mean, that's what the transfer portal is for. Like, let's just be real. It's called how we see it. I think.
1: I think Witter has a chance to be unbelievable. I think Deshaun White gives you great leadership, great experience, can play both positions without even thinking about it. Um, You've got great depth there. Stutzman, the young freshman, has had a good summer, big kid, competitive kid. They're not waiting on him. It's like... we we want you to compete, try and go on their job. So it's going to be, it's going to be fun to watch that group. But the two guys, Agwebu and uh, Osamoa, it's time to, it's time to flip the switch and start playing elite level football. And I think they're both totally capable.
0: It's funny. You mentioned the, you know, when, when someone said, Oh man, I mean, that dude's just so athletic. What you want them to say is, That dude can play. Right. That's what you want. This is, there's an offensive line equivalent to that. And it's, guy's smart. He's smart. (laughs) That's the O line equivalent to, you know, he, oh man, he's an athlete. No, you, no matter where you are on the field, the first thing you want your coach to say is, that dude can play. Yep. Not, he's athletic. All encompassing. Right. Yes.
1: If they if they give you a compliment one way or the other, it means uh, you're either dumber than a box of rocks or you can't get it done physically. Right. Yeah. It's 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 one or the other.
0: If they're saying anything other than that dude could play, they wish you were a better player.
1: I mean, it, it when it clicks, you know, when, with this guy, when it's when it clicks, he's it's funny.
0: Okay, looking at just let, – let's look at the defensive backs as a whole because my, my question is kind of for safety and corner and nickel, whatever you want to – whatever position you want to look at. And it's it's pretty simple for me. The The most important question for that group, that entire group in the back end is, will talent overtake experience on the depth chart? Will the young, talented guys – Like Key Lawrence, like Joshua Eaton, Justin Harrington, even though I guess he's not that young, but young in the OU program, Billy Bowman, you know, DJ Grant, will those guys show enough in-camp consistently to get playing time over more more experienced players? Because... Ted, it's not a mystery. They're looking in for the new body type. Will those guys show enough in camp to be the first guys on the field in the fall? Or is it going to be Pat Fields? Is it going to be DeLaron Turner-Yell? And I think Turner-Yell sounds like he had just one of the best off seasons of anybody in the entire program. But that's my question. Will talent overtake experience on the depth chart?
1: yeah there's there's some spots with great young talent uh, a corner, Latrell McCutcheon that has a chance to earn a spot. Um, you know on the back end, safety is a little bit different. It's one of those spots where you, at, like linebacker or or d line or wide receiver i mean there's there's a lot of spots where He's young, you know, he's he's not totally consistent on the mental aspect of it, but man, what he gives you athletically, you got to get him out there and give him some reps. Safety's a little bit different. It's called safety for a reason. You can't have guys out of position, not understanding, uh, you know, motions and shifts and how to move things around and have to absolutely know everyone's responsibility, not just yours. So safety's one of those where, you, you can't just throw a guy out there. He's got to be totally ready to do it. And I, I think Turner Yale is going to be great this year. I think the question mark is at the other spot. Pat Fields, Key Lawrence, Jordan Mukes. who's it going to be out there? And I bet it's going to be some combination of the, all of those guys. Key Lawrence has a chance to be, uh, you know, an extraordinary talent. So I'm with you. It's if if that young talent shows up and could be depended on, secondary is going to be really good. Um, my question is, are we finally going to have a game changer at nickel? Nickel is, in this defense, it's, it's hard to say it's the most important position, but if you have a, a difference maker there it can change the entire defense. The Nickel is is going to be asked to do a bunch of things. Play safety, blitz, insert in the run fit, cover a slot man to man cover a tight end, man to man, you may be covering Charlie Kohler in one game, man to man, you may be covering a burner from Baylor in the next game man to man. It's uh, you may be playing a deep third safety on one snap, blitzing off the edge on the other, being the edge support in the run game in the next place. So there's so much that they ask of these guys. If you have a game changer there that doesn't just play the position, Buki gets a ton of heat, uh, but none of it is necessarily from like on field stuff. It's like the extracurriculars, right? He was always in the right place he understood the adjustments and the shifts he knew how to fit the run he could communicate well he was a dependable nickel but he wasn't a game changer you know what i'm saying he his size held him back if we can get a game changer there it will totally reshape the way we look at this defense
0: no pressure jeremiah Cradell. Billy Bowman. Bowman, let's go freshman. Let's, let's Come on, get freshman. it. Come on now. All right, for our call your shot question, we asked the listeners number one question they had. Going into OU training camp, uh, our buddy Red Dirt Sport. God, I love his Twitter. He's fantastic, man. <laughs> he says defensive back depth, specifically safety, rotation. Kind of just went through all that. I, I Depth-wise, I think they feel really good just about the number of guys they feel like they are going to be able to put on the field in the back end, don't you?
1: Yeah. yeah, Yes. I I think they... Depth is more of a problem because they've got so many guys that are good than it is they don't have enough players, right? Defensive line, their rotation's going to be... I mean, there's... There's a, there's a bunch of dudes that can play on that D-line. I mean, they're going to be rotating a bunch of guys through. At backer, we talked about how deep they are. It's the same thing at corner. I mean, there's there's two guys on each side, maybe a third, that you could legitimately see starting. And the problem with all that is at some point you you worry about guys not getting the development that they need or deserve because of, Uh, what the rotation ends up looking like. So I would say right now I'm not worried about depth at any of the positions defensively, but you never know what happens. You're not worried about depth until all of a sudden you are worried about it. Right.
0: Right. And I I mean, really the worst case scenario at safety in my mind is you're starting Pat Fields and Delarian Turner yell who are multi-year starters. Like, isn't that the worst case scenario? If we're talking about safety rotation, like that's, Like, there's, I I think there's more talented guys that don't have their experience behind them. But if, if that's your worst case scenario, I mean, that's pretty damn good.
1: Yeah. I, I, we were talking about this on the show today. And I said, at a minimum, we're, we're going to have B to B plus safety play that's the bare yeah.
0: minimum yeah maybe maybe worst case scenario is not the best way to phrase that I that was <laughs> that was not a good way of phrasing it. yeah right. at the minimum that's a much better way of putting it
1: yeah I, I think it's I think it's B or B plus safety play but potentially I think it could be a to a plus I think Turner Yale is gonna be a dude out there this year and I think like if Key Lawrence, gets some consistency and athletically takes over that other spot, then we got a chance to to look really different on the back end.
0: Yeah. And then Drew Gastineau said, can we develop the necessary chemistry in depth along the OL to chase down number eight? That's, that's the key for me, but that's the key for me every season. Ted, it's always about the offensive line. You know that. You know that's that, that's the most important position in the entire sport except for a quarterback. But quarterbacks well, kind of are dependent on it, so you tell me what's the most important. You decide, I suppose.
1: Hey, I it, it's, it's weird. I, and I feel – because going off of the, the stuff that you've said, I feel like offensive line is probably the biggest question mark on the team. But there's also a chance that, you know, by the end of the season, they're playing excellent football. Like That it's not a weakness of for this squad at all. If they get the right guys in the right spots and and lock it down and get comfortable with their rotation, wherever the, the guys end up going, that they could end up having a really good offensive line. We had Dari Noka on recently. We were talking about it, the SEC, and he said it's a line of scrimmage league. Well, The semifinal and and national championship, the the college football playoff, is a line of scrimmage tournament. And we haven't gone into that thing yet, A-plus on both sides. I think we'll be A-plus defensively this year. If that group plays into an A-plus group by the end of the year on the offense, that's going to tell the story right there of whether or not this team's going to be capable of winning a national championship.
0: Yes. And, uh, I will say it would be helpful if everyone in that offensive line room don't is you available,
1: don't you put any bad juju on this thing,
0: Gabe, don't you do that it would be helpful if they are all available <laughs> to start the season, that would be helpful. Okay. Let's get the football guys talking basketball, Couple thunder updates, Ted. Shea Gilgis Alexander has Woo. agreed to a five-year 172 million dollar max rookie extension with the Thunder that will keep him in Oklahoma City for the next six seasons. That contract has a 30% escalator clause in it that can make it worth 207 mm. million dollars if he makes all nba thunder had to do it right had to do it he's he's that type of player now on the if you look at the league like on the totem pole of max contract players where does he line up i'm not entirely sure but they had to do it i mean that you yeah. with the way with what he showed last season and i know that they shut him down and he only played you know 30 something games but he he had taken his game to another level now it is up to him to play up to that contract and he, he was certainly playing at a really high level last year but the real question for me is okay he's got the big contract now does he, is he able to be that lead dog, right? Is he the guy that is going to lead the Thunder back to the playoffs, back to possibly go to the Western Conference Finals, things like that. And I, I think the jury's kind of still out on if he's that guy. But now he's getting paid like he's that guy. I'm very excited to see him play next year.
1: Yeah, I I think it's um I it's crazy first of all that this is where these contracts have gone. Um it's amazing That's,
0: Really it pays well to be good at basketball.
1: Good night. It pays good to be good at basketball. Um not very long ago paying a a guy just off a rookie deal 172 possible 207 on a team that hasn't won Jack squat would be insane, but that's the going rate now for a guy that's got a ton of upside that, you know, could potentially be a a breakout superstar in the league. Um, he's improved year over year. I think that continues, uh, it's still weird to look at that, that he's going to be making that much money, but it's that's the rate. I mean they had they don't have a choice. you know I mean if you're trying to build a, a winner here and you've got a guy that's on the roster right now that can be a 10 year plus player for you at a super high level, you got to lock him up.
0: Yeah, especially with it being Oklahoma City, right? Let's just be real. I mean, you're you're gonna continue to struggle to attract big time free agents. Uh, you you have to keep players of SGA's caliber around, right? You gotta pay him his money and little little trivia for you, Ted. Okay. Shea Gilders Alexander last season. Now once again, didn't play a ton of games, but he averaged twenty-three point seven points per game, five point nine assists per, per game. He shot 50.8% from the field and 41.8% from 3. There's only one other player in NBA history that had those numbers in a season or better. What player? What was the percentage again of for 50.8 from the field, 41.8 from 3? Uh, and only one other player did that in a season. Now, once again, this was, he only played 30 something games. So, but this is only one other player's done it over the course of a season.
1: Is is it, um, Steph Curry,
0: Larry bird, really Larry bird, (sighs) I don't know. It oh. comes from stat muse. If that's not right, that's on you. Stat muse. I used your stat, gave you credit and everything. It better be right. Okay. Um,
1: Ted, I thought, didn't KD do like the
0: 50, 40, 90 deal. Dude, I'm just reading the stat that I found okay. on Twitter. Would you just leave me alone? Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Okay. Just go with it. Just be excited. It means a lot that he signed the extension. Whoa. Yeah. there. Yes. That's what I was looking for. Okay. Important question what was your favorite memory from Kimball Walker's time with the thunder?
1: My, my favorite part was when they hit send on that $40 million to his account to buy out his contract or however much it was.
0: <laughs> I, yeah. The, the numbers, like the details aren't out, but the thunder, it's gotta do- be
1: 40 million bucks. He had 70 million left, right? It's 73. I think. Well, He's not going to go play for 10 in New York and lose money. So it has to, it has to equal like 35. If he's playing for 10, it has to be like 25 a year or something.
0: I, I am very interested to see when the details come out. Like, were they able to work in some sort of option or like, how did like, because or maybe
1: Oklahoma City was going to be so bad next year that he would take less money to be bought out.
0: I don't know. I don't. I don't know. We'll we'll see. But you know, Sam Presti's pretty good at his job. And also, just a reminder, you have to spend a certain amount of money in the NBA. Mm-hmm. It's known and same thing in the NFL. It's known as the salary floor. You got to get there. So that's right. Um. But sounds like Kim is headed to the Knicks. Which,
1: just to back up a little bit, this is the big reminder that everyone was telling the NFL players when they went on strike about no salary cap. If there's no salary cap, there's also no floor, right? So uh, sometimes players don't want it, but you better remember that if, if they don't have a cap on top, they don't have one on the bottom either.
0: Yeah, so Thunder basically got two protected first round picks for Kim, we'll see if those in, end up conveying down the line. But I guess the whole theory is that this will allow the young guards to play a lot this season, you know, Dort, tail, Maladone, Josh Giddey, they just took with the six pick Trey, man, the other first rounder. Uh, it is, it's going to be a young squad next season. Ted, it is going to be, it, I'll say this probably going to lose a lot of games but if you're going to lose a lot, you better be entertaining. And I, I feel like this group could be one that, you know, entertains us and gives us a little hope for the future. Teddy, I'm, I'm remaining optimistic.
1: Uh, Hey, I love it. I'm, I'm, the good thing right now is my expectations could not be any lower. So, and that's actually a fine thing. You know, I, I've gone through all the stages of tanking, right? I anger, uh, fear, sadness. Now I've finally hit acceptance and I think I'll be able to roll with it.
0: I'm Teddy and I've accepted tanking. (laughs) All right, let's get to our winners and losers of the week. But first, do you own a business? If you do, you need Insurica in your life. Best in class businesses win by avoiding a loss in the first place. If your business partners with Insurica, you'll save huge amounts of money and take back control of your total cost of risk. I'm an Insurica client and you should be too. If your business wants to be best in ca- best in class, connect with Insurica at insurica.com. That's I-N-S-U-R-I-C-A.com. And guys, summer is here and you know what that means, baby. It is hard seltzer season. And there's only one hard seltzer that we drink on this podcast, and that is Will and Wiley hard seltzer from Coop Aleworks. It's perfect for any occasion. We drink it by the pool, at the lake, and at the tailgate. It is made in Oklahoma, and it is absolutely delicious. Will and Wiley is customized for the Oklahoma lifestyle. Go find it right now in a store near you, and go follow them on social media at at Will and Wiley. As always, Ted, kick us off. Who do you have as your winner of the week? Well, I
1: thought about going with the the sumo statue at the equine events at the Olympics that are scaring the horses. Have you seen that? Yes. It's so <laughs> funny. I don't know why they did this, but for those who haven't seen it, that you know, in the horse jumping, they've got the big arena, the big, you know, dirt arena and they've got the different jump set up. They decided to put a like larger than life size sumo wrestler that's in his sumo stance right next to one of the jumps and whenever the horses are running up to the jump they like slam on the brakes and get scared of the sumo wrestler statue it's hilarious so i thought about going with that that statue he's got to be a gold medal winner um but i gotta go trey young oh there it is
0: <laughs> if you watch on youtube there's the uh, there's the sumo statue <laughs>
1: Once they turn the corner and see that thong, they hit the brakes, man. Um, I had to go with Trey young. Unbelievable. The kid is going to make. I mean, same deal is, uh, SGA, but he's going to definitely hit that escalator. He's going to make $207 million playing basketball in the NBA from Norman to Atlanta. My goodness. Uh, Just, it's, it's, it's crazy. It's just crazy that, that he's done that much that quick and locked up that amount of money. It is insane.
0: He's too small. (sighs) Crazy. It may be small, but that dude got a big bank account, son. Big bank account. I was, I was very happy to see that. We knew it was coming. Right, and it's it's awesome to see. Uh, not only is he an Oklahoma kid, he's an OU guy. I love seeing shit like that, man. I mean, it just and it, it, it seems like his family's pumping a lot of money into the Norman community as well, yeah. giving it back.
1: They just did the groundbreaking on the the uh, what are they calling it? The Trey Young, it's like Young athletic Family. Center or something, yeah. Uh, they copied it off of kind of what uh, Kobe Bryant still was. It's it's going to be it's going to be awesome and good dude, good kid. I it's it's just fantastic. I'm so happy for him. I'm jealous, but I'm happy for him.
0: Definitely jealous. There's yeah. no doubt. But maybe he would want to come on the podcast and talk about his new contract. Everyone, flood Trey Young's. Twitter and tell them to come on the podcast, do it.
1: What do you have? So what are you going to spend it on? So hey, what's what the first thing you, you
0: bought? you <laughs> buy a car?
1: Uh, it's like, uh, no, actually I bought a 20,000 square foot, uh, youth center in Norman, Oklahoma. What do you got on it?
0: Must be nice to be that responsible. <laughs> All right. Who do you have as your loser of the week?
1: Uh, I thought about going with Urban Meyer, you know, Alex Grinch told me the story, uh, last year or, or whenever he first came to OU that at practice, Urban Meyer, they've got a guy that's got a loudspeaker and a microphone and throughout all of practice, like anytime there's one-on-one drills, the, guy on the loudspeaker is announcing who the winner is and who the loser is uh so like if me and you are doing oklahoma drill and you pancake me on the oklahoma drill and you win on the loudspeaker the guy will say gay biker winner teddy layman loser and it's on the loudspeaker and then they keep the tally and post it it's like when you walk, imagine walking in the Switzer center and there's this big scoreboard of who the winners and the losers are on the team. And your record is posted up there. And he, I, I guess I finally saw a story on, it. I don't think anyone ever wrote the story whenever he was doing it in college. Cause everyone's like, Oh, that's kind of bad, but he's doing it in Jacksonville again. And he says that he's going to use that someone's record in went the winner loser drill to, uh, make his decisions on final cut day. Gabe, you know, the anxiety level that you have already trying to get on a football team in the NFL. Can you imagine walking in and seeing your name, uh, loser being announced on the loudspeaker loser? It's just, it's a level of anxiety that is, it cannot be good to add that to the situation. It can't, <laughs> unless you're a winner. If you're a winner all the time, then it's probably the greatest thing ever. But
0: yeah, that'll that'll make you feel better. But it, you already feel like your job is like a play to play thing <laughs> when you're a bottom of the roster guy. It's like one play, you like you do great. You're like yes, yes. Another play, maybe it doesn't go so well. You're like oh. I'm gonna get fired! Oh my god! Like you're thinking that type of stuff.
1: Yeah, and now a guy's announcing it.
0: Oh god, it <laughs> gives me anxiety just thinking about it, bro.
1: I'm surprised they don't have like uh, loser. You know, <laughs> you know, in in golf, how they have like the projected cut line. I'm surprised the guy's not like layman loser now below the projected cut line for the 53 man roster. <laughs> it's miserable but instead of going with that i went with the the us medal count at the olympics there's something interesting going on here we have at last count we had 25 gold medals china had 32 gold medals but overall gold silver and bronze i think we had like 75 to China's 69 or something like that. And we're presenting it as if we're winning. That doesn't, that doesn't count, right? It's only gold.
0: I, I wonder like, cause you know that clearly the broadcast we're getting is, tailor-made to Americans right right so we we want to make it look like we're winning I assume that the Chinese broadcast is emphasizing gold well that's how
1: everyone else apparently everyone else in the world only looks at the gold they only tally the gold that's how the like the Olympic committee does it that's how it should be that's how everyone does it except
0: for the United States I mean, like bronze is, I mean, bronze is cool, silver's nice, but like it's about winning. I was like, and I'm when not did it mad not at the, become about winning? That's right. I'm
1: not mad at the athletes. I'm mad at people putting it up on the board. And here it is, you know, US, 75 medals, first place right there. China, just below them, 69 medals. Uh, we've got the lead right now, uh, just ahead. Those, Those three bronze that we got in diving were big. Uh, Although China won all of the gold medals there, the three bronze that we got were big in the race. We're getting beat. Stop presenting it that it's okay to not have the most gold medals, especially whenever we take like twice as many people there as everyone else.
0: I need Kornacki and his khakis to roast the U.S., on one of his little graphic board, yeah, things. The last like, one he
1: was just circling like the final medals is, or the uh, total medals. Look at that, got a lead right there over China. No, no, we don't. We don't. We're losing to China.
0: We're losing to the Chinese in sports. I know they've got a lot of people, like so many people, but sports is kind of our whole thing. Come on. It, I'm. T- it, Gabe, it's the,
1: uh, it's the participation trophy. I mean, it's right there in front of our face. They're doing it to us on national
0: TV. This is the professional version of the participation trophy. This is it. <sighs> that even made me mad.
1: They used, uh, and apparently they used to only give uh, a medal to the winner. They gave them the the winner like a a medal and a olive branch or something like that, and then the first time the U.S. hosted, they decided to start giving gold, silver, and bronze. Everyone loved it; they adopted it. But we're the only one that counts it all.
0: Should only be about the gold, right? That's it. Could you imagine? (laughs) Could you imagine in college football? Right, And this is what one of my fun, one of my favorite things to watch in the Olympics is how people react when they get the silver medal. Because some people, it's clear they did not expect the medal. They are so excited, and then there's people that were like the favorite, and you you see them put that silver medal on them, and they just look like they want to die. Mm-hmm. I. I just can't, can't stop thinking about like a college football playoff final, the team that loses, like you just go up and put a silver medal around their neck. Like, well,
1: unfortunately we kind of do that by talking about how many college football playoff appearances we have.
0: Yeah, that's true. But to, to our defense, you and I don't bring that up. No, very often. No. I
1: it, and I guess that's kind of like winning the Olympic trials and being able to go to the Olympics at that point. It's not necessarily We're
0: celebrating like the, the final. silver
1: medal. We're making the final.
0: Yeah. Making the final. Right? Yeah. That's a good comparison. I don't know. Yep. This whole thing we just did could be really, really <laughs> stupid or people could really like it. I don't know. Let us know. Probably stupid. Five-star review, Apple Podcast. Leave us a comment. Let us know if you thought it was really <laughs> stupid or great. Are you looking to buy or sell a house in the OKC metro area? I just used the Ronaldo Cloud Group to sell my old house, and it was so easy and stress-free. Stacia Ronaldo and Maddie Cloud are with Sage Sotheby's International Realty. They believe in prompt communication, an honest relationship, and a luxury service. And that's exactly what they gave me. You can reach them by emailing Stacia at at com. That's S-T-A-C-I-A at S-A-G-E-I. Messed that up. Sorry, Stacia. We'll try that again. I've nailed that every time. First time I messed it up. You can email her at S-T-A-C-I-A at S-A-G-E-S-I-R dot com. Or you can contact them on Instagram at at sold by Stacia and at sold by Maddie underscore. You will not regret it. Okay, Ted, for my winner of the week, thought about going with LSU quarterback Max Johnson. Because he was supposed to be in a QB battle with Miles Brennan down there in Baton Rouge, well, Miles Brennan just mysteriously broke his arm. Like Coach O just comes out and says he's having surgery; he? arms just broken. There's been, from what I've seen, no report how he broke his arm, but it required surgery and. All of a sudden, Max Johnson, no longer in a quarterback battle. He's, he's just the guy. That, that seems pretty nice, you know?
1: He's got the best quarterback name in college football. And um, take advantage of it.
0: Max Johnson. <laughs> NIL dream right there. <laughs> And I'll say this, Miles Brennan, he's been been getting some NIL deals. Like, all of a sudden, do those all just go to Johnson? By the way, Max Johnson's Brad Johnson's son.
1: I know. And all I can think of is the um, Austin Powers, whenever it's like, look at the size of that. And then the the Army guy says, Johnson. (laughs) Yes, sir. (laughs) Johnson.
0: God, what a great scene. Uh... That's so good. Okay, but... My winner of the week, the NFL, it's back, baby. Training camp is going on, and that means we get all the football content, Ted. Training camp fights are back. We all heard about Joe Judge making the Giants run. Somehow Danny Dimes ends up at the bottom of the pile. I don't know how that happens. I mean, you'd think the fight would just stop if the quarterback was in the middle of it?
1: It the video's got to come out at some point of that fight, right? It's got to.
0: It's got to. There's a guy that that. Well, the video crew is so good at deleting fights from the tape. Like it's hard to find those. One of the veterans, you, you got to pay one of the video guys. You're like, I know you've got it. Give it to me. Mm-hmm. Shep should I, do that.
1: They should. I, if I was one of the video guys, I'd just video it with my phone, delete it and sell it to TMZ. Yeah.
0: I mean, they pay a couple bucks for it. Why not?
1: They pay good money for those videos, man.
0: Yeah, but so we had the Giants thing. You you've got Dan Campbell saying all kinds of funny stuff at Lions camp, and then he went on about his coffee intake in the morning. Did you see that?
1: Yep. Put venti, venti with a couple of what shots in each one? Just get the oh. uh,
0: get the bodily functions rolling early, Dan. I see you, buddy. I
1: absolutely love that guy. I don't know if this experiment's going to work in Detroit, but I love that guy. He's awesome.
0: He was in New Orleans when I was there, and everybody loved him. He's awesome. Um, But with training camp being back, that means training camp videos on social media are back. Ted, we've got C.D. Lamb making ridiculous one-hand catches. We've got Trey Lance who – may be the best quarterback of all time with some of the plays that are out there on social media of him playing in that thing around. I,
1: I just but, want you to remember that I had him as my number one quarterback in the draft. You
0: did. In fact, no you one did. cares
1: about that, but is he going to start? I don't know. Yes. Why some not?
0: Some of those clips, I maybe I'm just getting fooled by the uh, by the social media clips. Some of those throws, I'm like, is he the only guy on planet Earth that can make that throw? Like, him are they moms? Tom
1: Bradying you uh, with the jugs machine? Are they are they sending out some videos like that and you're buying it?
0: Just <laughs> tricking me. We also we had the Ramondre Stevenson clip running yeah. over at Patriots training camp. That one was pretty good, but. You've also got everyone diagnosing the offensive line, defensive line, one-on-one clips. You know, oh my god, this guy sucks, or oh my god, he's the best in the world. How uh, just people think the sky's falling when the offensive linemen get beaten one-on-ones. It's it's great, but it's just so nice to have that back. We didn't mm-hmm. have it last year.
1: That's right. Yeah, that's true. It's nice. You didn't even think like, about the, that. the
0: amount of social media chatter when when NFL training camp is going on. It's it's fantastic. I well, was trying camp everywhere.
1: It was like, we, we hear that they're practicing, but no one even knows for sure. Right. It's like, it's on lockdown. That is that's true. Yeah. That's good.
0: So it's, it's been really fun. I've, I've gone down some rabbit holes of training camp videos and I have Which, no regrets.
1: Maybe we can get into this at a later date, but it is an interesting question. Why are college coaches so secretive about their practices?
0: It's the dumbest thing. I've said it for years. I The Dallas Cowboys have open practice during training camp. The Dallas Cowboys. You know what's crazy?
1: I think definitely the first two years, maybe every year when I was at OU, our practices were open
0: in training and she, camp. I, I think the majority, I think it, I, and, I'll say this. I think it's important for the players to have fans there. Break up the monotony a little bit. Well, Not even that to make them feel that sense of pressure. Yeah. Like people are watching. I remember NFL training camp. We did one-on-ones. I didn't want to look like a dumb ass in front of all those people. <laughs> like I didn't want to get my ass kicked and for them to be like, Oh my God, that kid, the Iker kid sucks. Like I didn't want that to happen. So, I battled, man. You got to battle. I may have told you
1: this before. When I was in Jacksonville and Jack Del Rio was there uh, on the the day that we did the Oklahoma drill, they had like stands set up, like right around the drill and had all the people, all all the fans were in there. They like put the who was going to be matched up in the Oklahoma drill in the paper the day before, like for people to come watch the Oklahoma drill. That's
0: awesome. It's pretty cool. I think well, and and not to get on just a tangent, but it's like we always hear college administrators talk about keeping fans engaged and keeping them renewing their season tickets, and how can we make them feel connected to the program and to the team? That's an easy way to do it. Yep, especially the early practices and training camp. You're running all kinds of base stuff. It's no secret. OU's going to run GT counter. Like it just, it's, it's going to happen. So I, I don't know why they don't open it up. I, it makes no sense to me. Okay. But my loser of the week, the university of Texas, I, I do not know what the purpose of that Senate hearing was this week in Texas, but apparently it just turned into a roast of the Longhorns, that I mean, every state senator that got the mic was taking a shot at UT. Uh, a senator, this one guy, and I think he was a tech grad, called them cousin Eddie. <laughs> called called Texas cousin Eddie from Christmas vacation, and I it was just like you know, he thought of that maybe a day, maybe two days before. And he's like, I'm going to do it. He told all his buddies, I'm going to do it. I'm going to say their cousin Eddie going to the SEC. They're going to ruin everything. I'm going to do it. And then he did it. And he dropped it and didn't get much of a response. I think he was hoping he'd get at least a little bit of a laugh, but nothing. He got nothing, Ted. I was like, "Mm," didn't land. That even
1: hurts worse. Here's the thing. We always hear about how much money the University of Texas has. And like how big their donor base is. And if the donors there are not making a list of those senators that were, uh, taking their shots at Texas and are not fully funding, uh, the person they're running against their campaign, dropping some bombs on their opponent, uh, in that. That campaign fund holding big fundraisers and everything, then everything they've ever said about the money and their donor base is a lie. Right? Well that president, can you imagine standing there and taking that?
0: He it didn't look fun. No that picture of Bolsby behind him is so good. <laughs> oh my gosh. But there the other state Senator and she must've been a TCU grad, right? I, she nailed it. I mean, absolutely. She knew what her punchline was going to be. She set it up perfectly. You know, she, she nailed it. Uh, She, she went with the, Oh, well, uh, I guess your fan base would just rather lose to Alabama than TCU Mm -hmm. mentioned the record and she got the record wrong. She said that they were 3-7 and against TCU. It was a great burn set up that they'd rather lose to Alabama than TCU. It was perfect execution. But Texas is 2-7 and against TCU since they joined the Big 12.
1: You think she fired the aide that handed her the note with the record on it?
0: Yes, you have to. Right. But I will give her credit. She got a good laugh in the room. Yeah. Got, it, got a good was, laugh. Laugh of the day, I'd say.
1: That was incredibly, incredibly harsh, man. <laughs> it, was,
0: it was brutal. Hartzell's just sitting there like, are we done yet? Nope. Okay. Brutal. But also, uh, the Big 12 kicked Chris Del Conte off the CFP selection committee on Wednesday. They said, I believe Bob Bowlesby's quote was, I think another one of the athletic directors will represent our interests better. Replace him with Gene Taylor from Kansas State. But just a... Uh, Rough week for the Longhorns. You know, you hate to see it. Brutal.
1: So when they take, like, Del Conte's like, he has to be recused anytime that they're talking about a Big 12 team, anyways, right?
0: No, I think it's just when they're talking about Texas, is when he's recused. Like, for, for the college was, football.
1: I thought it was your conference. I could be wrong. I think it's yeah. just your school. I'm pretty yeah. sure.
0: I don't know. I've never done that mock thing. Uh, doesn't sound very fun to me. No, I'm just gonna use my eyeballs. <laughs> yeah. those look; those four look like the best four. All right, let's let's move on.
1: Yeah, it's we knew who the best four was in September.
0: Yeah, all right. Episode 135 in the books. Reminder: next week, uh, we we will be off, but there will be two episodes for you guys. We'll have an interview with Phil Steele and an interview with Trevor Knight. So hope you all have a great weekend. Hope you all have a great week next week. And we will see you. I don't even know what the date is, but see you, nerds. We'll 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 see you in a in a week and a half or whatever it is. Hope you all t- take care. Okay. Until next time. We appreciate you all for listening and do what you always do, Oklahoma. Take care of each other.